Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. And good morning to you. We are so happy, joyous, and free on a beautiful day. So glad you're joining us. And here's my co-host, Little Rico, our rescue from Puerto Rico. You know, Americans love their dogs and their cats and horses. And we're going to meet an extraordinary woman, Renee Kingsonen, who has expanded that circle of compassion to all sentient beings. And that includes cows and pigs and chickens and turkeys and goats and lambs. So, Renee King-Sonin, who is coming to you live from Texas at the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, a new sanctuary. They just had to flee from their old sanctuary because of climate change-induced flooding. Renee, say hi and explain your transformation from a cattle rancher's wife to one of the leaders in the animal rights movement a vegan running an animal sanctuary and helping other ranchers like yourself transition to plant-based. Hey, Jane, good to see you. Yeah, you know, what happened with us is I married Tommy, of course, for the second time. And as um, as a cattle rancher's wife, I had no idea that I was going to fall in love with animals out in the field and begin to make his life a living hell, which is exactly what happened. Um, Me and Tommy had been married once before, before he acquired the ranch. And when I moved out there, um, we remarried. Things just started to shift for me. I always tell everyone my vegan advocate was Rowdy Girl. She's a cow. And little baby Rowdy Girl was the impetus for me beginning to see all of the other animals in the pasture, all the cows, as the sentient beings that they are. They had their own community. I began to witness firsthand the mothers with their babies, the aunts, the uncles, the babysitter. I began to see that their lives mattered as much to them as mine mattered to me. And who was I to interfere and mess with that, that that was not my business. And here I was married to a man I loved, didn't know how or what to do. I wasn't a vegan, didn't have any vegan friends, didn't even know I was a transitioning vegan. But what I know now that I'm vegan is that I was transitioning and never, ever knew it. So let me ask you, because I know you are a former country singer and you play guitar and we've actually sung songs together in Texas. You were practicing your guitar or playing your guitar. You go out to the field where the cows are. Tell us about that moment when you had that wake up where all of a sudden, boom, you realized, oh my God, these aren't just hamburger patties waiting to happen. These are individuals. What what was that like? And how did the music play into that? Well, there was a cow. Her name was a little girl. And before I ever went vegan, I used to do yoga out there with little girl. And little girl is still with us. She is probably almost 20 today. 
uh, somewhere around there, maybe 15 or 16. And I would go out there and do yoga and I would chant. And I would notice that when I was like in my very private moments chanting, uh, this was this was before I went vegan. This was when I was, you know, just out there getting to know the cows because it just began to feel safe for me to be out there with them. I noticed that when I chanted, when the music started to happen, they their ears went back. They began to watch me and I could feel their energy shift. And I knew there was something very special going on uh, between me and them. Now, if you see me looking down at all, it's because I'm sharing this video out. Let's spread our circle of compassion to the whole world. To all those people at home who think they're animal lovers and love their dogs, like little Rico here. And if you try to take, and he doesn't like it when I use him as an example, but he says, okay, mom, just to make a point, you can. If somebody took your dog and um, subjected it to horrific um, abuse, really, castrating him without anesthesia, that's what they do to farm animals, uh, docking his tail, that means cutting his tail, uh, hanging him upside down, slitting his throat, deboning him and cutting off his snout and his ears and his tail and chopping up the rest into little parts, you'd say you're a monster. But, you know, the, the lambs and the sheep and the chicken and the turkeys and the cows and the pigs are no different from little Rico here. Indeed, pigs are smarter than dogs. Pigs have the emotional and intellectual development of toddler human children. So you, you had that wake-up call, that moment. And then what happened with your husband, him being a rancher? I understand he was pretty fed up with you, although now Tommy is one of our friends, a fellow vegan, and, and helping you lead the farm animal sanctuary and rancher transition movement. Yeah, well, you know, what happened was I began to, you know, me and Tommy loved each other very much. And being married to a cattle rancher, you know, you don't just go in one day and say, hey, honey, I'm going vegan today. Uh, <laughs> it's It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's like it goes against every uh, every grain of tradition, of culture that, you know, he grew up with. And quite frankly, that I grew up with being a Texan. And, you know, uh, you know, it's it's embroiled in every cell of our being that eating animals is normal, uh, you know, in our religion, in all of our schools in in politics, everywhere you turn, you know, normalized violence is part of the part of the protocol. And so when I started to change and shift, uh, it wasn't it wasn't something I could easily talk about with uh, about this with Tommy because Tommy didn't understand. He would just say things like, Renee, you you know, you got to stop naming those cows. You know, you got to suck it up. You know, this is what we do. You know, if the cows were out there crying because we had just taken a load of their babies to the cell barn and I was crying and they were crying. Tommy would tell me, Renee, you've got to stop crying. You can't do this. You know, this is part of what we do. This is our life. This is how we feed the world. You know, everybody does this. I've been doing this for, you know, generations. You know, you got to stop this. And I said, Tommy, I just can't stop it. I, I can't stand the way I'm feeling. And, you know, and Jane, I don't understand why some people wake up and some people stay in the dark. I know that for four years I stayed in the dark, even though I was tortured because I was married to Tommy. I wasn't vegan, but I kept torturing myself with the reality of what we were doing to these cows and to their babies. I knew it was happening, 
but I couldn't do anything. I knew I was accepting blood money, but I couldn't do anything. So, you know, that's part of the issue here is just what talk through it. Do? It's okay. It'll go away what, in a minute. So what do you do when all this stuff happens? You know, what do you do when when you actually start to feel don't this worry about amazing, that. Just keep talking. Ignore that. Yeah. When you start to feel this amazing feeling towards the animals, I mean, that's the reality of the situation is I started having these emotions that I couldn't control. And but I couldn't go vegan. I didn't even think about it. I wouldn't even vegan wasn't even the word for me at that point. It was more or less I was just feeling tormented and not knowing what to do, you know. So when I when I did go vegan October 31st, 2014, it was as a result of me watching a lot of slaughterhouse videos. Uh, they're a result of watching all those slaughterhouse videos because I wanted to know why are we eating, you know, why aren't we, I'm sorry, why aren't we eating the animals in our field? How come we go to the store and buy, you know, the same kind of meat that is out there in our field? Why aren't we slaughtering our grass-fed beef? And, you know, Tommy was like, he didn't want to talk about it. And I said, well, I need to talk about it. We need to talk about this. And so finally, I pushed him to the point where he said to me one day, Renee, I can't eat animals that I know. And I said, well, that is messed up. Only I didn't use messed up. I used the F word <laughs> because I was serious. <laughs> I was seriously upset. I was like, there is no way that that's right. How come we can eat animals at the store, but we can't eat these? He said, well, I just can't do it. And that's when I knew that there was something wrong. I had never heard of the word dissonance, cognitive dissonance. I had never heard of anything like that. So I, I wasn't, I didn't know how to put my mind around it, you know, and that's the problem. We don't know how to put our mind around it, you know? And so since, since starting the Rancher Advocacy Program, and talking to other ranchers, their wives, their families. That's how I know, you know, how to talk to them is because they are going through the same shifts that I did that I had no one there to talk to about it. And, you know, I know being in the recovery movement, you know, one alcoholic to talking to another alcoholic. That's how the magic happened. <coughs> that's how the healing. Happened. And that's how the healing started happening with me and these other ranchers and quite frankly, that's how the healing started happening with me and my husband. Because after all, he was the first rancher I transitioned. And now Tommy is an incredible ally. We love Tommy Sonnen so much. And, you know, it takes a real man, takes a real man to say, you know what? Maybe my wife's got a point. I'm going to open my mind. I'm going to open my heart and I'm going to figure out another way. Because I love her and I respect her, and I know that she's got good judgment. So maybe what she's doing is actually right, and what I've been doing is wrong. That takes a real man to do that, Renee. Yeah, it does. And, you know, when I first started going vegan and, and, I, and I made that shift... I didn't see what you just said. I saw Tommy as a murderer. I called him a murderer. I was, uh, I was as, I was as repulsed by him as I've ever been anyone in my life. I couldn't sleep with him. I was sleeping with the cows more than I was sleeping with him. Quite frankly, hmm. I was out with the cows 
just going where they went. I was getting to know them. And, you know, it took Howard Lyman, whom we all know and love, the mad cowboy, the one that, you know, was with Oprah Winfrey that ousted the mad cow disease, you know, uh, on, you know, national TV. And, you know, Howard Lyman finally picked up the phone on Christmas Eve 2014 and talked. He actually talked me down off the fence from wanting to hang my husband up off of the antlers of that big old elk that was in my living room because I really was not at all wanting to spend time with my husband. I, I didn't even know if I wanted to be with him anymore or not because we were fighting just like War of the Roses every single day. And it was horrible. Howard Lyman is the one that said to me after I just ran it and ran in and ran and he said, are you finished? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, how about you show your husband the same love and compassion that you're now showing them cows. And that I was not expecting. You could have blown me over uh, when he said that to me. I was not expecting him to say that. I was expecting him to side with me, you know. But no, I had to learn to have compassion and love for a man that was killing animals. Well, I want you to know that Howard Lyman plays a huge role in my life because he was the one with his publicist, Mara Nealon, that got me to go vegan 22 or 23 years ago. It may even be 24. I don't know the exact time, but it's so funny that Howard Lyman, a cattle rancher, Howard Lyman, people, if you don't know, is a fourth generation cattle rancher who was running a massive cattle operation. He became sick. He was going into surgery. He made a pact with God. And he said, God, if you get me out of this alive, I will reveal the secrets and the horrors of this industry that I've been in generationally that has become a monstrosity where we treat animals like they're widgets and they have absolutely no, um, there's no consideration for them. And they're essentially, it's industrialized torture. He survives the surgery. He writes a book called Mad Cowboy. He appears on the Oprah Winfrey show. And she, after hearing from him, goes, that just stopped me cold from eating another burger. That's the famous quote. Then all of a sudden, the cattleman sued her show. And she had to move to Texas for a while to defend herself. Anyway, Oprah and Howard Lyman won. He was doing a book tour. He came into Paramount Studios where I worked at KCAL TV. I was a news anchor and a vegetarian. And I interviewed him. And afterwards, he and his publicist walked up to, to my cubicle and they tapped on my shoulder and said, hey, we hear you're a vegetarian. And I said, yes. And they said, do you eat dairy? Now, he had just explained how the babies are ripped from the mothers, the boy calves are not necessary, so they're often shot or left on dead piles or turned into veal, put in veal crates. And I hung my head and I said, yes. And then they pointed right at my nose and they said, liquid meat. And that was the moment I went vegan. So I have a fourth generation cattle rancher to thank for going vegan. And I literally went vegan at that moment. And I always say, about a month later, somebody poured Parmesan cheese on my salad and I took a taste of it and I spat it out because in those, in that month, my taste buds changed. Something I used to crave and love, cheese, it tasted disgusting to me. That's why rehab is at least 28 days. It takes a month to change 
any habit at least, sometimes a lot longer, but minimum is a month. So give yourself a month if you're transitioning to plant-based because it's going to take that long to, to cleanse out your body and to restore your taste buds to their original. So isn't it ironic, Renee, that you and I both uh, had a cattle rancher turn us, turn us vegan, essentially, or your husband yeah, anyway? Well, my husband was definitely uh, a catalyst for that. And Howard Lyman, you know, was the one that, you know, I think he was really instrumental in me and my husband staying together because I don't think that we would have. The only reason I was staying with Tommy and he was staying with me is because he was afraid that if he left me, I would take over his business and I would have. And I was, I was afraid that, uh, and he was afraid that if he left me, I was afraid he was afraid that if I left, I would take over his business. And if I left him, I was afraid he would slaughter all the cows because he would have. And so we were at a stalemate, you know, basically. And I told him finally, you know, it after, you know, because I had, I was vegan at the time. I was only a couple of months vegan when I talked to uh, Mr. Lyman. And, you know, I was literally losing my mind, Jane. I was talking to Vegans left and right at that point behind Tommy's back. I had started a Facebook page called Vegan Journal of a Rancher's Wife. I had met Kip Anderson, Kip Anderson, who is the director of Cowspiracy, What the Health, and uh, just a fabulous human being. You know, I was talking to Kip, and Kip really helped me to have the courage to do this Indiegogo campaign. I did exactly what he said. That's how he raised the money to get Cowspiracy started. And so I followed his directions. There was another vegan I had met named Robert Bellow on social media, and he was a lawyer and he helped me with the language so that I could do this. And I had never had any experience whatsoever. Had I known, Tommy will tell you, he said, if I knew now what I knew, knew if I knew then what I know now, I'd have given you the damn cows. Okay, you well, know? listen, <laughs> this is a great story. We're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. We're going to be back in a second. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, we are here with the one and only Renee King Sonnen. I want you to talk a little bit about your, oh, we've got a caller. Let's go to it. We have Lisa on hold from California. Your question or thought, Lisa? Hi, everybody. Hey, Renee. So good to see you on Jane Unchained again. Um, I just Hi. tuned in. I was wondering if you could please give us an up an, uh, an update on the conversion of the animal agriculture farms, the cattle farms, to are they converting to mushroom farms? I would like to be up to date on that. Great question. Sure. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, those of you that, you know, know uh, and follow our journey know that the Rancher Advocacy Program isn't even two years old yet. So July marked our one-year anniversary. And what happened when I first started um, going vegan and ranchers started contacting me, uh, several uh, are several contacted me and they are interested in transitioning from whether it be a beef cattle ranch or a chicken farm or whatever to another way of doing business that doesn't involve cruelty. Well, the, the, the Barrett family farm in Wicks, Arkansas was actually introduced to me by Sean Munson. And okay. And, as a result and can of we, me- let's disconnect Lisa so that we can hear her. Uh, well, thank you, Andrew in the control room. Continue on. As a result of that introduction to the Barretts, uh, the Barretts were really struggling. They are a beautiful couple with uh, over 200 acres in Wicks, Arkansas. They had over 200 cows. They had four chicken sheds, 20,000 square foot chicken sheds. They were processing 100,000 chickens every 52 days. They had stopped processing those chickens when I met them. They were totally plant-based vegans. Uh, I'm talking the fire engine red ones, you know, the kinds that, you know, that don't eat any oil even. And I could not believe that I had gotten this letter from Jennifer regarding her story, regarding her journey. And, and Sean had asked me to please do whatever I could to help them because they were about to lose the farm over there. And they, and they almost did. So we stepped in. They wanted to work with our program. And now, as a result of our Rancher Advocacy uh, Coalition, uh, we have a great team, uh, Paul McGee Berry, uh, Jody Rash, and all helped us write the business plan for the Barrett Family Farm. It took us about a year. We are actually going to be converting their former chicken farm, cattle ranch, into a mushroom farm. And we have saved the 240 cows that they have. They did not go to slaughter. They are living their life free out there. Now, this is not, this is not optimal. You know, I tell people all the time, we are, we are in front of a movement right now. We're leading a movement where more and more people, organizations are interested in the 
in the space of farm transitions. But I will tell you, this is not this is not something like we have a you know that you can Google on you know Google and say, hey, how do you transition a farm? You know, we're doing this right now. We're in the middle of it. And because I'm an ethical vegan, I could not tell the Barretts to send these cows to slaughter. I, I just couldn't do it. So I pled with uh, a foundation that works with us. They are helping us because they too have an ethical heart. And we saved those cows. I did a fundraiser, we raised the money for their hay. And now these cows are living their life free from harm. And as a result, Jennifer has become like a rowdy girl cow mama like me. She loves those cows. Okay, you know, she has we've got another huh? caller. Let's grab Sarah, yes. who was on hold from California. Sarah, your question or thought? Uh, hey, Renee, I just appreciate you and your story and everything you do. And I really love the story about you and Tommy. And I was wanting to know if um, I know you were just talking about the transition recently of the chicken farm, but what is your next project? Do you have anybody else that you're working on that's uh, reached out to you? I was wondering if you had anybody that um, wanted to transition um, anybody like maybe that's like pigs or other animals. Thank you, Sarah. That's an excellent question. Take it away, Renee. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, we have actually four farms in our program. Uh, the Barrett Family Farm. We're gonna we're getting ready to launch just anytime their transition their their mushroom farm. Uh, the other three farms, two are in Texas. One is in North Carolina. The two that are in Texas, one is in Giddings. That's Star Love Ranch. Uh, they are a multi generational cattle ranch family. Uh, that went vegan and did not want to inherit the cruelty on their farm. They are becoming a vegan wedding venue. They are learning how to take care of the land holistically, regenerating the land so that their their animals can live on that land without constantly being having to be fed by humans over and over and over. So it's a process, but they are a wonderful couple in getting Texas. The other one is the trailers, Richard and Cindy trailer. Richard is not vegan yet. Cindy is. Uh, they are in our program. We have a mentorship program. Will Tuttle, Dr. Will Tuttle of the World Peace Diet is mentoring them on the ethics of veganism. And we have uh, Kip Anderson uh, going to be interviewing that, mean, uh, mentoring them on the environmental aspects of veganism. And Dr. Bandana and Munish Chalup, plant-based physicians, the lifestyle docs in Houston, Texas, are mentoring them on their health because both of them have serious health problems. So here's two cattle ranches in Texas. And now we have another farmer in North Carolina that we've been talking to. He is a very interesting type farmer. He's a CPA. He has those four chicken sheds on his farm, much like the Barrett's, but only he doesn't put the chickens in there himself. He leases these sheds to another farmer, but he does not want to do this anymore on his land. He is starting to uh, dabble in microgreens and he wants us to help him learn more about a plant-based diet. He's not sure he can do it, but he's willing to learn. And we are enrolling him in our program and this is gonna be a long-term project. And we're very excited about the possibilities of what's gonna happen with this farm. See, what we don't do is we don't advertise and try to promote the fact that we're looking for farmers. Farmers find us because of our unique stories that we think is key to getting folks to change. 
It's the stories. When when farmers heard our story on CBSA Evening News, the Texas Country Reporter, or they opened up that magazine in Southwest Airlines and saw our full color spread, our animal planet, farmers see us and they go, oh my God, I relate. And when farmers start relating to the cruelty, they inherently want to reach out and say, you know, uh, I feel the same way, but I've never been able to talk about this because see, it's a taboo subject. You don't talk about your feelings about the cows uh, when you're a rancher. That's not something you do. You don't do that. That's taboo. So anyway, I hope that answers uh, your question. We do have four farms in our program. Now, I know that you moved recently because you were in another place in Texas and these so-called 200 or 500 year storms were hitting you almost every year. You actually did a documentary. A documentary was done about you um, uh, evacuating your animals as a storm hit your old sanctuary. So you describe yourself as a climate change uh, refugee in a sense. Now you're in a brand new sanctuary. Tell us all about that. Tell us about that journey and how people can get involved. You're outside Austin. So anybody watching from Austin, where exactly are you? And tell us about this new sanctuary that you have. We're in a place called Welder, Texas, uh, W-A-E-L-D-E-R, Welder, Texas. And we're just an hour from San, uh, from San Antonio and Austin, a couple hours uh, to Houston, depending on where you live. But I tell you, if we flood here, Texas is under because we are on a we're on top of a hill. We're building uh, a, a home. You know, uh, it's exciting. But right now we're living in a thousand square foot little cabin that was built in the 30s. Um, you know, when we were in Angleton, that third flood just pulled the rug out from under us. We had just bought this place in Welder knowing full well that we needed to get out of harm's way because we knew another flood was 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 going to happen after two floods and two evacuations you know in an area that's not supposed to flood but every 500 years uh you know after that happened two years out of uh three years you know you got to get the heck out of there i mean i could never even relax i was constantly worried every time it rained every time you know, I, every time it rained just even a little bit, I was so worried the Brazos River was going to flood and we were going to have to move all of our animals yet again, that we were going to have to remodel our house yet again, and that we were going to have to be displaced yet again. And, you know, it, it, the third time it happened was in May of last year. We, we had just closed on this property in April and a week later we flooded. Thank God we had the property in Welder. We didn't have to displace all our animals to, you know, uh, to the county fair associate places and all that in different uh, people's uh, ranches and whatnot. But we, we, we were able to bring all our animals here. But the problem was we had no uh, infrastructure suitable for all of our animals because this place had not been lived in for years. All the structures were like built in the 30s. It was an old pig farm here. So everything we're doing is we're resurrecting what was once a place of death and cruelty. You can actually see where the old pig farm was, uh, you know, but we we're having to redo everything. 
We're getting ready to launch what we're calling March towards our medical treatment facility because all of our 60 plus cows here, you know, we have to have a place to adequately care for them. You know, when you have a dog or a cat or a bird, you know, you take them to the vet, you put them in a kennel. It's not that easy with a cow that's 1,500 pounds if they got a hurt leg. You don't want to put them in a trailer and drive them 40 miles to Texas A&M. We need to be able to have a treatment facility right here where we can conscientiously take care of all of our animals, bring vets in from the area, train them, teach them on the vegan ethics of taking care of these cows that they call food. Because in all of the veterinarians practices all around us, they're all considered food. You see it on their on their signs inside their clinics. This is the food the, the food department. You know the, the this is food department. So cows, pigs, chickens, all considered food. And we're bringing these veterinarians here. We want to have the treatment facility here so that, like, when we have an animal that needs care, we can call a vet, bring them here, keep our animals safe and comfortable, train them in the process. Everybody's happy. So we hope y'all will will help support support that when we launch it here in the next couple of weeks. And this is so incredible because the time is now. Uh, as I like to say, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. To quote Charles Dickens, we have this horrific coronavirus, which is uh, the result of animal abuse in the food system. That's why China shut down its live markets. That's why we should also shut down our live markets. Um, and you know, what's happening with animals, it's just, it's so obvious that almost all of our problems as a global culture stem from our abuse of animals. If you talk about climate change, you and I know that animal agriculture is at least a, and some would argue the leading cause of climate change, responsible for more greenhouse gases, certainly than all transportation combined, you and I have worked in my documentary, Countdown to Year Zero, outlines that um, it's the leading cause of habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, uh, and human world hunger because animals eat something like 40 times more than they produce as food. I always use the example, sorry, Rico, we're going to have to bring you back into action, honey. If you took your precious dog and you chopped off their ears and their snout and their tail and their paws and took out the bones and the eyeballs and the, you know, and then slice the rest of them. I know, cover your ears into little patties. Obviously your dog would have eaten far more than your dog would have produced as meat. People can see that and they're horrified by the dog meat trade, for example, in Asia, but they can't make the same connection that it's just as wasteful to eat animals uh, when the animals are pigs or cows or chickens or turkeys or goats or lambs. Animals eat so much more than they produce as food. It's an inefficient food source. So it takes 70, 70% or more, 75% of all soy produced is fed to farm animals. And that's true with a lot of other staples. Uh, weigh in on that, Renee. Yeah, I just think it's, I think it's absolutely ludicrous that we are a nation that complains about the fact that we have all these hungry children and people in third world countries when 70 to 75% of our grain goes to feed livestock and other farm animals to feed humans. I mean, that is the most 
Uh, it's, it's just a, it's an egregious waste of resources, period, number one. And number two, you know, if you watch a cow, they eat grass. You know, they, they just go to the earth and they eat grass. You know, and I'm watching right now, me, you know, because we're now able to be stable and actually grow roots here in Welder, Texas, uh, not afraid of flooding anymore. You know, we've got a half acre of a veganic farm out there now. Tommy is growing the most beautiful greens and radishes and spinach. I mean, every day he comes in with another bunch of food right out of the ground, you know, and the soil is so rich and perfect. The food tastes unbelievable. You know, real food is grown, not born. When you can get food right out of the ground, take it into your kitchen, feed it to your family, that is the best way to nutritious to nutritionally supplement, give your family the vitamins that they need. Why would you want to give your family the hacked up, diced up, rotten corpses of animals that are treated so cruelly in animal agriculture? It is so bizarre. And, you know, one of the biggest reasons for this disconnect, Jane, I believe with all my heart is because of religion. Religion drives people every single second to really believe that they're doing right that eating animals was ordained by God. And I think most people, good people, eat animals, you know, because of that reason. Well, let me say this. Um, and I read a book called, um, I forget the name of it, but it's the historical life of Zealot. It's called Zealot. It was a New York Times bestseller. It is the historical life of Jesus Christ. So it's really what is most historically documented about his life as a person. And the single most documented fact of his life is that he went to the temple in Jerusalem and they always describe him fighting with the money changers. But what he yep. did was he chased out the animals who were destined to be sacrificed. He chased them out. He would be considered a radical animal rights activist today. He liberated he liberated those animals. And by the way, there's no, uh, there's nothing in the Bible that shows him eating hamburgers. <laughs> I, I'm being, no. but it's true. So the life of Jesus would indicate that since he was about compassion, turning the other cheek, treating others as you would be treated, that he today would be uh, a vegan and an animal activist. Uh, and that, that is not disputed. Nobody disputes that he went to the temple in Jerusalem and chased out the animals, but they don't see the significance, okay? They don't see the significance of the fact that he freed those animals and said, run free. Don't stay here. We don't want you sacrificed. Yeah, well, that's the reason I really do hope that more and more people will do what they can to really learn about those times, especially, especially in Christian religion, because that's one of the biggest, biggest problems is that real good, meaningful people that call themselves Christians eat animals because they really do believe they're doing the right thing. It's, All right. it's indoctrinated. We are going to take another short break on Voice America Radio, but we remain live on Facebook. Share it out, people. Share it out. Share out this video. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guaranteed, it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. So we are here with the one and only Renee King Sonin of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. If you want to get involved with Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, please do. I mean, there's it's a volunteer-based organization. Tell us how people want to help out Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, help uh, save animals from going to slaughter, uh, help human health fight climate change, help these poor ranchers transition to something that's better for them and the planet and the animals, how can they get involved? Well, you could go to uh, rowdygirlsanctuary.org slash donate if you'd like to donate to our cause. If you'd like to learn more about how to volunteer, how to join up up one of our tours, uh, it's very easy to, to find out how to do that. If you're interested in our rancher advocacy program, you go to rancheradvocacy.org. And for those of you that are interested, we're going to have a two and a half day summit, September 18th through the 20th in Austin, Texas, downtown at the beautiful Weston Hotel. And so Jane will be there emceeing and helping me emcee that event. We are going to have Miyoko there. Miyoko is uh, one of our fabulous diamond sponsors. And uh, Mercy for Animals is a gold sponsor, and we have Veg Fund uh, as a as a silver sponsor, V Dog as a bronze sponsor, Free from Harm as a bronze sponsor. So you know we're we haven't even launched yet. We launch uh, officially on March the tenth, and we are we're really looking forward to that. But in the meantime, if you want more information, just go to rancheradvocacy.org and read all about it. And one of the things, yes, I'm so excited. Uh, Jane Unchained is, uh, I think, a bronze sponsor of that yes. conference. I'm going to be there in Texas, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun and really just a gathering change makers. This is historic. It's going to go down in history. 
where we shift the culture and help the ranchers too and the farmers. We're not anti-farmer or anti-rancher. We're pro-farmer. One of the things is they are also being factory farmed. These ranchers and these farmers, uh, especially the ones who operate these concentrated animal feeding operations, these CAFOs, giant warehouses where animals are kept in windowless sheds, never seeing, never touching grass, never seeing the light of day. They have, to, and then the, the the people who are the so-called farmers, they're really warehouse operators. Have to go in there with masks, and they often have illness. It's feces drenched. It's urine drenched. It's chemical drenched. They are trapped too. Yeah. They are sucked into this business and told that they're going to make money. And all of a sudden they've got a deep loan that they have a hard time keeping up with. I've heard reports that they can make something like five cents to 37 cents a chicken. Meanwhile, they're getting sick. They, they, they want to get out. Uh, tell us about that, Renee. Yeah. These farmers and ranchers to, to, to quote Jennifer and Rodney Barrett, they are indentured servants. That's the way they look at themselves. A lot. Who wants to stomp around in a 20,000 square foot shed with 36,000 birds crammed in there on top of each other, on their feces, in their u- urine, dead animal corpses? Who wants to go in there with a mask on, with protection, and call out the dead ones, the ones that aren't going to make it, and kill it? Who wants to do that? No. That isn't farming, y'all. That is indentured servitude. These poor farmers are not making any money. They're losing money. And, you know, they the handwriting's on the wall. When more and more farmers find out that they don't have to settle for that type of life, who wants to pass that type of life down to their family? You know, that is no way to live. And the Barretts are so free now. They feel so free from that. They are so excited about the next chapter of their life. And they too, they will be telling their story at the Rap Summit, as will the trailers, as will Holly and Davey Shockerel. Our farmers will be up on that podium and we will be inviting other farmers and ranchers from Texas and all over to come and hear and be in for one time and ever in history, you know, to have ranchers, farmers, plant-based industry, manufacturers, and advocates all under the same roof so that these farmers and ranchers can be exposed to a marketplace of ideas that they never knew were possible. How amazing is that? Because we're not just rescuing animals. We are rescuing ranchers from this horrific industry of violence. Yes. And, you know, so many of them, it reminds me of the veterinarians who get into that field because they love animals. And then all of a sudden, because they have to pay their rent, they find themselves working at a facility that breeds animals for laboratories or at a slaughterhouse. And, um, you know, what they are forced to do makes them sick and they actually become depressed and in some cases even suicidal. Um, there um, is a tremendous disconnect between how we experience animals in the world and how they are really living their lives. And, you know, just in in my neighborhood or any neighborhood in America, you see people trotting around with their dogs, as I do. I've got three little rascals. This is the best behaved one, little Rico. And we think, oh, everything's right. We're taking care. We love our dogs. We're taking care of them. Animals are fine. No. The vast majority of animals are farm animals, 
And we are killing on this planet between 70 and 90 billion every year, not including fish. 70 and 90 billion animals who eat so much more than they produce as food. And we're starting to see the blowback. We're seeing the pig virus, okay, the swine flu, the bird flu, coronavirus. We're seeing climate change destroying, uh, you know, huge swaths of our earth, whether it's the Amazon or the Caribbean or the south uh, eastern coast of the United States, Hurricane Florence. And we need people to wake up. When Hurricane Florence hit the Carolinas, we mobilized. That, that is an area with a lot of these CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations, where these poor animals were trapped. Now, in previous storms, they had opened the gates, the animals had gotten out, some of them were shot, some of them drowned, and there was a lot of imagery of them floating in the water. So this time, a lot of the operations kept the doors locked, and these animals, these poor animals trapped in these hell holes of concentrated animal feeding operations were left to drown in their dark warehouses. Shame, shame, shame morally reprehensible and they were treated in the news reports and in the business reports as live inventory to be replaced by more live inventory. Now you talked about religion and spirituality. Anybody can look at that and say that is morally reprehensible. You talked about religion. What would Jesus say? Oh, okay, Jesus. what would any Jesus. spiritual leader say? What would Buddha say? What would any spiritual leader say about that? Oh, it's absolutely nowhere in the nowhere in any spiritual text anywhere are there any concentrated animal feeding operations. Nowhere is there any farmed animals like that. It doesn't exist. That's all man-made bullshit. Sorry for oh, the pun, please. but I just please have to don't say curse. We won't be able to promote it. Is yeah, that cursing. I didn't know that was cursing. Yes, I'm Even sorry. Even damn is well, considered I, a curse. Go ahead. Is it really? Oh my goodness, I had no idea. Well, now uh, you know, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use the f word. So, okay. all uh, right, no worries, no worries. But, but I want to tell you something. I've got to. I've got to say something before I forget because the Houston yeah. Livestock Show and Rodeo is kicking off. And, you know, in Houston, that rodeo is so horrific. Uh, You know, Danny Alexander does a big job protesting there every year. They're really kicking off right now. In fact, they even disrupted some big, you know, thing with Warren the other day. Uh, It was it was quite fascinating. But what's interesting is we have a beautiful steer. His name is J.D. And J.D. is, uh, is 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 from a breeder. And I am developing this really awesome relationship with this breeder. Her name is Tara. She breeds Brahmins. Yeah, we, don't, used to. Yes. we don't want to name yeah. names here, please. Thank you. Well, but I'm just saying, she's a friend of mine. Okay. And, uh, and, and she is so, so in love with JD. Her and I are developing this relationship. And I'm telling you about this because we are doing, uh, Ryuji's right now doing the editing on this mini documentary that's going to be out about that animal. You were talking about the horrific industry of breeding. Well, this is an animal that, this breeder fell in love with and didn't want to see slaughtered. And now I'm developing a beautiful relationship with a breeder that is wanting to know more about veganism. You know, it's happening. If we don't put these people down, whether they be ranchers, whether they be readers, 
readers, whenever we were um, being evacuated one time, I actually, you know, a, a fellow that had a concentrated animal feeding operation actually came and helped us move our animals because he loves animals. This is the, this is the disconnect. This is where we are filling a gap in activism. We're creating a who a whole new level of activism that's not happening. And this is why it's so important in today's world to begin to, to learn how to, to connect with and talk to, you know, ranchers, breeders, people in the industry. Well, you are absolutely right. We we're love based. The Save Movement, which holds vigils outside slaughterhouses here in downtown LA and all around the world, there's more than 700. They don't point the finger at the truck drivers or even the slaughterhouse owners. It's a consumer issue. The second that consumers say, mm, "I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to eat something else." And today you can have a vegan burger at Carl's Jr. at Burger King. You, there are so many different ways to have a plant-based product that looks and tastes like the real thing. Dunkin' Donuts, uh, you know, Subway, they're all bringing in these plant-based alternatives that, by the way, are zero cholesterol. So yes, they are healthier for you because cholesterol leads to plaque, which kills one out of every four people in the form of a heart attack or a stroke. So... Um, we can't demonize these uh, farmers or these ranchers or the truck drivers or the slaughterhouse workers. They are all part of the system and we need to liberate them as well. And, and so we're transitioning as well through climatehealers.org, coming up with systems to transition um, slaughterhouse workers to working in um, companies where they don't have to slaughter. Imagine the psychological trauma of having to kill uh, five days or six days a week, eight hours a day. Uh, we know that those folks who often have no choice of what job they want have depression, uh, alcoholism, drug addiction. Many, many things happen to them. There's domestic violence. It's you people who can't even go witness the pigs going into the slaughterhouse, but they can pick up a piece of bacon without thinking, wait, somebody had to kill this animal. In fact, I'll just leave you with this. In England, there was a new advertising campaign where a little girl says, Daddy, I don't want to eat animals anymore. And he makes her a vegan meal. And the animal industry went crazy and said, this is terrible. And they had a debate on camera. And the woman who was representing this public service announcement said, well, you know, they do kill them. They slit their throats. And the, the TV host was like, oh, you know, really? Like uncalled for, like, hello? Yes, they're killed. They are killed. Their throats are slit or they're electrocuted or they're gassed to death. Let's be real. They're living in this fantasy where you could say you're an animal lover yeah. while you're co-signing the torture and killing of animals. We need to wake people up by inviting them to the plant-based lifestyle, but also showing them the truth, the truth about what's really happening in our system. And everybody has the power to change it by making a choice three times a day. Renee Kingstone, and I want to thank you for all your incredible work. We are out of time. <laughs> RowdyGirlsSanctuary.org. You are extraordinary. You are my hero. I'm going to see you at the summit. Um, and get involved. RowdyGirlsSanctuary.org. And share this video. Talk to you next time. <laughs> 
Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.